The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome, my friends. Show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Thank you for spending some time with Jack and I. Uh, it's been a tough run uh, last four or five weeks. Uh, that said, uh, our present guest, Mr. Don Velo, uh, helped set the stage. A uh, little, uh, what's the word, uh, being forewarned, being forearmed. Uh, the, the month of September tends to be the worst month of the year. The first couple of days of October tend to be tough. But then things, from a seasonal perspective, probabilities are the market shows some strength. Don Velo, welcome back to the show. Uh, Don, he's a uh, co-founder of a Tech Talk. Um, it is a blog that he writes on a daily basis. Uh, he's also the past president of Canadian Society of Technical Analysts. Yes, Don Velo is a market technician. I used to work with Don at one of the big banks here on Bay Street, and uh, we remained very, very good friends since those days. Don, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Wolf. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you. Um, again, your, your your writing in Tech Talk is, is excellent. I thank you for the uh, for the wisdom that you send to me uh, each and every day. And uh, you did forewarn us September is going to be you know seasonally a tough month in the first couple of days of October. I have to ask you: uh, Has the heavy lifting been done, or flip it around? Is the market oversold enough that you can begin to put some money to work at these levels? Yeah, just some background. As you mentioned, this is a time of year when both Canadian and U.S. equity markets have a history of moving significantly lower. And we're certainly seeing that uh, this year. For example, the S&P 500 and the Dow over the last three weeks are down 6%. A TSC composite is down 8%. So we're following the seasonal pattern uh, for the months of September and into early October. Uh, if you can measure it in other ways. Uh, for example, there's a, an index that is followed by CNN. It's called the CNN Fear and Greed Index. The market has sold off so sharply during the last uh, three weeks that this index now is considered to be in the extreme fear category. So it tells you the market is, is very, very oversold. Another uh, way of in, uh, measuring this is to watch something called the VIX Index, which measures the volatility in of the U.S. equity market, and it spiked from uh, about 13% to 19% during the last three weeks as well. Also an indica- indication that this, is, this has been a bad time to be in equities uh, in general over the last, uh, well, as you mentioned, five to six weeks. The important thing was that we're reaching a very important inflection point. And as you mentioned, uh, Wolf, historically, as you get closer into the middle of October, Equity markets, both in Canada and the United States, have a history of reaching a very important low. In fact, to be precise, the average uh, date uh, for the inflection point during the last 20 years has been on October the 9th. So we're coming up very closely to that point in time. After that, historically, that's the important uh, low for the uh, season. And historically, the markets have moved significantly higher from that October 9th date right through until at least the first week in January. 
no, now, uh, no guarantees that October 9th is going to be the low for this year, but uh, it should be coming in fairly soon if history is to repeat. Uh, again, friends at home, we're speaking about seasonal investing. Um, and again, this, this is at the periphery, uh, I think, worth worthy of note, but I would not take all of my money and try to seasonally invest it. I do not recommend that. Uh, do not try to trade broad markets for 5% pullbacks. Uh, it's just way too difficult. If you're a true trader, and I mean a pure trader who uh, is scalping on a daily basis and, and, and tuned to the market for the, for the full duration, 9.30 to close, perhaps. Beyond that, just be aware. So my approach to it is if you have some cash, you, you sort of keep it idle for five, six weeks during the September, October period. And once you get to that midpoint, be it today, <laughs> Saturday, of course, but uh, early, late last week or early this week uh, or next week, yeah, I'd start to put some of that money to work. In fact, I'd probably put all of it to work. Um, markets are oversold, in my opinion. And that uh, there's an old saying on Wall Street, uh, you buy when there's blood in the streets. Don just indicated that the fear and greed index is sitting at extreme fear levels. Uh, Don, uh, let's just for fun and help educate Jack and I, um, about the uh, seasonal strength period. You said the, the, the rally runs from the middle of October into the first week of January. Again, let's, let's talk about sell, uh, buy when it snows, sell when it goes, or sell in May go away. We know that seasonal strength continues right into two May, but obviously there's a bit of a pause period, I think, uh, Feb, March. And I'm going to say March, I tend to find markets weak. February, I think, is actually normally a weaker month than March, but I always seem to beware the Ides of March. Uh, so my question is, would you, from a seasonal perspective, would you break the season up into two, or would you just get long middle of October and ride it right through into May, or... Uh, mid-October into January, lighten up and then reset? And if so, when would you reset it to that May rally? Yeah, one of the things I watch uh, on seasonality is, is what's happening with the technicals. And what you want to do is you want to be buying when uh, the market is uh, oversold on a technical basis. Mm-hmm. Let me explain that. Uh, uh, just as of uh, Wednesday of this week, uh, only 9% of the S&P 500 stocks were trading above their 50-day moving average. That, wow. every, time it gets, well, every time it gets below 20%, that's really oversold. Now we're down to 9%, so it's even more oversold. Wow. Same thing with the uh, TSE uh, uh, 60 stocks. Now only 16% of them are trading above their, their 50-day moving average. Again, extremely oversold. So when you see these oversold levels, you're looking for a bounce, and a bounce should be coming fairly soon. So that's the technicals, but let's look at also the fundamentals. Uh, there's a reason why uh, stock prices are, are not doing uh, on the, moving on the upside, and that has to do with the earnings picture for the third quarter of this year and beyond. Earnings for the third quarter for the S&P 500 companies are expected to be flat on a year-over-year basis. But the same also applies to the TSX 60 companies, basically flat earnings in the third quarter. They start reporting their third quarter results next week. After that, then we get the good news. Uh, For example, the S&P 500 companies in the fourth quarter are expected to report a year-over-year gain of 8%. And in the first quarter of next year, a year-over-year gain of 12%. 
And we're going to be seeing similar types of improvements in the earnings in Canada for major companies here. So what's happening here is people are waiting until the last of the bad earnings reports are out. In other words, basically flat earnings in the third quarter. And they're going to start looking forward to third quarter or fourth quarter results and early results for next year. Where you're going to hear about this is when companies start to report their third quarter results, which are not going to be great, the companies are going to want to tell you, hey, hasn't been so good up to now, but it's going to get a lot better starting in the fourth quarter of this year. And that's the reason why you're going to get this move starting around middle of October and moving at least until the January of next year. Uh, you know, interesting times, I must say. Jack and I just attended our Canaccord uh uh, annual conference and uh, some of our chief strategists spoke. Uh, Martin Roberge, who's a frequent guest on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Tony Dwyer, frequently seen on CNBC, spoke very, very eloquently. You would agree, Jack. Um, and the, Martin made a very interesting point. Uh, Jack, I don't think I've shared this with you. I'll share it with you now live on the radio. Um, but Martin Roberge, our North American quant strategist out of Montreal, he said, um, or was it Tony Dwyer? One of them said, the st- stocks are not the economy. Uh, Mark my words, with all the interest rate hikes, a recession is here or is coming. Again, friends, everyone's been calling for recession for three years. You've not heard me say that word uh, because I've never been in this camp. I've been more in the soft landing camp uh, or recession deferred. I do think the recession is upon us. Um, However, corporate earnings continue to perform well, exactly what Don Velo is saying. Year-over-year growth, I think, has been reduced from 8% to 4%, but it's for the, for the most part, not negative earnings growth. Companies continue to make more money. Um, and as they make more money, of course, their share prices should rise. So uh, we next year, friends, you're going to be alarmed and startled and rattled by the headlines about recession. Do not sell your equities uh, because the company's performance, i.e. based on earnings, is going to dislocate from the economic activity you see. Would you agree with what uh, our strategists are saying, Don? It's been interesting how the market is already in anticipating uh, the uh uh, the recession and its impact on stock prices. You've seen, for example, the, the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, uh, I guess uh, two months ago, was trading, uh, it had actually had a, had a gain for the year to date of about 12%. Had. Since that time. Had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, since that time is all gone. Dow's actually now down on the year, isn't it? The, uh, the uh, Russell is down on the year. The NYSE index is down on the year. And the S&P equal weight index is down on the year. Don, we do have to get to a quick commercial break. Jack is chomping with some questions for you. Of course, Jack by my side, portfolio manager as well. And uh, by the way, um, I have to do a shout out to the Wolf on Bay Street team. Uh, Jack, Zach, myself, uh, and Kathleen, uh, we were awarded with the Portfolio Management Award of the Year, which basically means, well, probably the best guys on the street. Uh Hard to say that, but uh, you know, something I have to give credit where credit's due. Pure math is based on pure math, sharp ratio, standard deviation, and net rates of return. Uh, All the things that matter for investors will long term. I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, Don, you, you you helped us achieve those results. But uh, again, out of 155 uh, advisors to be voted as the top advisor, I think it's uh, worthy of note. Uh, if you need some help, my friends at home, never hesitate to reach out to Jack or I. We are always here for you. And of course, the show, Hi Fi Radio Show, about 
money. We look for the smartest minds on Bay Street. Uh, way smarter than myself, that's for sure. Uh, guys like Don Velo to share their wisdom with all of us uh, so we can all have more money. Not a bad idea, eh? Stay tuned. More money ideas right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Gobble, gobble, my friends, and happy Thanksgiving. Got your bird? Fresh or frozen? Uh, fresh birds, apparently cheaper than frozen ones right now. Uh, did a little shop looking for that bird. And uh, price range for turkey, anywhere from $2.99 to $5.69 a pound. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, fresh was actually cheaper than frozen. Problem is, you got to keep that fresh bird around for a few days. And uh, there was a best before on those bad boys. Apparently, mm-hmm. the fresh birds, best before October 11th. That, you, you walk to your grocery store and you ask your butcher, and everybody says, best before October 11th. And, of course, Thanksgiving is October 9th. Uh, frozen birds, of course, you got to thaw in the fridge for days on end. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a conundrum. But the birds got to be big enough to feed whoever's going to show up. And I do hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, my good friends. Uh, to help you pay for that bird, turn up your radio. Show about money. Don Velo uh, is co-founder of a blog named Tech Talk. I read it every day. Uh, I used to work with Don at one of the banks. Uh, he's been a frequent guest on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, he was also past president of the Canadian Society of Technical Analysts. Yes, he is a market technician, uh, which means you look at charts and primarily price and volume. And they like to see uh, volume follow. Price doesn't always do that. But ultimately, the ultimate arbiter of what something is worth is the Price, the ultimate arbiter. And if they don't want it, price is lower. And if they do want it, they take prices higher. You know, Don, it's, it's amazing. And Jack's going to get in here. Um, but there's a lot of lot, lot of interesting stuff going on in the world. And at our most recent conference, uh, Don Velo, a uh, Canaccord conference uh, where the smarts of the smarts showed up, um, Tony Dwyer was speaking about, and Jack, you're, you're the macroeconomic guy here, uh, speaking about the new debt issuance in the United States. So the debt ceiling got kicked down the road, or the government shutdown got kicked down the road. The debt ceiling limit was hit, so the government in the United States could not issue more treasuries, more debt, so they had to wait. And when the window opened that they could, they had to come to market with a trillion dollar debt offering. Uh, Don, what do you think of that treasury offering of a trillion dollars? Yeah, that's a lot of money, but what's happening? <laughs> How many zeros? Is it nine or 12? 12. 12, eh? Yeah, billions nine only. Yeah, 12. But I'm going to say, take that into investor sentiment. Take it into investor sentiment. So you're looking, we talked before the break about fear and greed. Right now, the market is very fearful. You've got the seasonal backdrop right now yeah. of seasonal strength. So market is fearful. Do the opposite. Seasonal strength. You also have the U.S. Um, political cycle. You're going into uh, an election year, Don. I know yeah. you follow, follow the four-year cycle very closely. How does this parlay into, uh, I'm going to say, seasonal backdrop for next year? Sure. On the presidential cycle, uh, historically, the president tries to make things look real uh, nice prior to the next election, and therefore he does things which will help the economy going forward. And that has a, direct, a positive impact in the uh, what they call the third year of the presidential cycle. And that's, we're currently in the third year of the presidential cycle. Now, how does that fit in this time? 
Well, what's happened in the U.S. is that the uh, uh, the economy is being boosted by a lot of spending on infrastructure and and on things like uh, batteries and and solar panels and so on, etc. And these are all expenditures which are going to be coming into uh, effect uh, this year and next year. That is going to have a, a positive impact on the U.S. economy in particular. It also will help uh, the Canadian economy because Canada also provides a lot of the uh, things that the Americans want. For, and uh, it fits very nicely with the Canadian economy as well. You know, it's an amazing uh, subscription that uh, we uh, subscribe to called Bespoke. Uh, put out an amazing, amazing report. Don, uh, g- g- tune into our conference call that Jack and I do exclusively to our clients, by the way. I'll give you a, a VIP pass into that conference call. It's actually tomorrow if you get a chance. To yes. send, send them the link, Jack, please. Um, but I, So I'm going to go through the whole bespoke uh, report. And we had to ask for permission because we were not allowed to forward this. And they're very strict about that unless we ask for permission. So we asked for, for permission to use this copyrighted material on our call. Um, but they, they do a fabulous job laying out the backdrop, the pros and the cons of the market. Um, uh, the amount of debt that's been absorbed in the system um, and the, the cost of money relative to uh, homeowners. So there's some amazing, powerful forces at play here. But again, at our conference this week, we also had uh, Prime Minister, former Prime Minister uh, Stephen Harper, uh, address the group. And uh, I must say, he spoke extremely eloquently and is a trained economist. Um, but the question was asked, uh, about the ultimate amount of debt that the American economy is absorbing, uh, when will it fall? When will the American economy finally topple over on all its debt? I want to throw that out to you, Don, because I, I will say that this weak debt means weak dollar. The U.S. dollar has been supreme. It's the strongest currency internationally and has been for an extended period of time. So, Don, amount of debt in the system will it take the U.S. down? And number two, what's your call on the U.S. dollar? It's interesting. Now, the reason why we're having some inflation problems in, in the U.S. in particular is because the U.S. government has spent a lot of money <laughs> on things like infrastructure. And a lot of these things are, uh, will not have a uh, positive impact on the economy until probably uh, well late this year and, and early next year. So the, the spending has already been made, right. and that is starting to have a positive impact on the economy. So we're still we're, we're in a situation where the uh, government went too far in the U.S. They spent too much too quickly, and that had a negative impact on the inflation. But now that the inflation pressures are starting to come off, the benefits of all that spending is finally starting to come together. So the key is you want to invest in, uh, in sectors which will benefit from all that spending and that's finally starting to come to fruition and create uh, more jobs, uh, more economic growth, and so on. And there are certain sectors which will benefit from that. Uh, just to mention a few, uh, uh, there's an ETF symbol as uh, PAVE, P-A-V-E. Basically, it's an infrastructure play in the United States. Hmm. Uh, another one is SLX, that's the ETF for steel. Well, Canada will also benefit uh, uh, from greater demand for steel as well. Things like this, which are going into infrastructure building in both Canada and the United States, are going to benefit quite nicely. The metals and mining sector is also one which will benefit from uh, greater demand for for copper and for zinc. All these things will go into infrastructure. And even um, another sector, which is kind of unusual, is uh, all this 
stuff that's being built, whether it be highways or roads or or whatever buildings, it, it all requires transportation to deliver all this stuff. So the transportation uh, stocks, both in Canada and the United States, are expected to benefit from this. Uh, this infrastructure building. Let me ask you, sorry, sorry Don, uh, transports. The rails look awful. Uh, to, just pointing lower. Trucking stocks look mixed. Uh, comments? Yeah, isn't that exactly what you want? Oh, you want to buy these things when they're in the hole. And when uh, the these companies start to show uh, improvements in earnings coming into later this year and into next year, that's when these stocks are going to start recovering. Okay, so Donna, again, you're a tech market technician. You're good. Uh, buy them when they're in the hole or try to catch a falling knife. And again, it's funny. Uh, I'm taking, I'm about to get my certificate in chefery, <laughs> my chef certificate, because I take weekend course at George Brown. And I'm taking a knife skills course. And the first thing in the knife skills course, they said, my friends, if your knife is falling off the table, do not try to catch it. Believe it or not, there have been chefs, Jack, who have actually tried to catch falling knives and have done serious damage to their I was going to say, that's a natural reaction, though. Something falls, you try and grab it. It is. No different than stocks. Stocks fall, people think, oh, maybe I should get it while it's cheap. As opposed to waiting for a technician that would wait for it to turn, start moving in the right direction. Then hit the floor. Yeah, I'm going to say, make higher highs, higher lows. First hit hit the floor. Bounce a couple times and start, and then you can pick it up. Right. Yeah, the key is that historically, the... um, uh, that knife hits the uh, bottom right around the middle of October each year for equity markets, both in Canada and the United States. Yeah. Don, so, I want to talk to you about something else. Again, I look at 550 different company charts each and every day looking for trends uh, and trends breaking, trends emerging. And it's amazing. You mentioned uh, 9%, only 9% of the market is above its 50-day moving average. Uh, the other average that matters a whole lot is the 200-day moving average. And uh, who is it, Jack, that says you never, ever, ever Hold a stock once it breaks its 200-day moving average. Um, you just I'm going to say it's a famous trader. And it, oh, it come on, Jack. It'll come to me. You, know, you don't do well in pop quizzes. You're such a smart man. Drucker Miller. There you go. He got it. It puts a pressure Give on that Give me 10 point. seconds at least. Come on, snappy. Uh, Drucker Miller. He said, never own a stock that breaks its 200-day moving average. And I, I will agree with him. Um, but it's interesting because name like oh, Microsoft, Apple, Arista Networks, Applied Material. I'm just thinking off the head, but I know my charts well. Every name I just mentioned, uh, tech names, uh, have broken the 50-day holding the 200-day. Would you rather, at, at the turning point for the seasonal market, Dan, Don, buy a name that is just below its 50 but holding above the 200 or the knife that's falling off the ledge? And I'm going to go down to any of the Canadian banks, Scotia Bank, CIBC, um, Manulife maybe not, but those two banks I mentioned below the 200-day moving average, I know it. Um, QSR, Tim Hortons, I think, probably is getting yeah, very lot, close to... Yeah, lots of telcos, lots of Canadian, I'm going to say Bell extremely Canada, Bell Canada is below its 200-day moving average. The, the list is long. Uh, so Diageo, uh, the, the, the company that owns Guinness, and by the way, friends, if you don't like Guinness, Give it a second chance if you ever go to Dublin. Go to the Guinness Brewery and try a Guinness live. It's amazingly smooth and good. Anyways, Don, what way do you buy them? Do you buy the names that are holding the 200 or that have smashed through and are in a hole through the 200? I think the rails are even included in that one. Don, you got 60 seconds for that one. Yeah, you've got, you really are catching on to something here. It's uh, 
the 200-day moving average is a useful uh, indicator, but of greater importance is look at the securities which are outperforming the market, uh, either the TSE or the S&P 500. Relative strength, those, in other words, yeah. Yeah, th- those are the stocks which are going to start moving first once we get the bottom. And uh, So what, yeah, Don... What Don is saying there is you want to buy the names that are above that 200-day for the bounce into the end of the year. If you're going to do some tax loss buying, Wolf, I would buy the extreme oversold stuff later in the year that you're talking about, maybe the telco, some of the banks for a 2024 rally. <sighs> that, you know, that, that's, that is the last one. And again, I'm going to squeeze you a little more time here, Don, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, those Canadian, a couple of things. Number one, dividend payers over dividend growers. Don, which way would you lean? You have five seconds for that one. Dividend payers or dividend growers? For the time being, between now and uh, early January, go for the growers because that's where you're going to get the action. Uh, over the next 10 years, dividend payers or dividend growers? Uh, that's a different question. Uh, go for dividend uh, payers. Really? I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Don. We're going to end with some conflict, buddy. Uh, I'm going to say dividend <laughs> growers all the way through the, the Microsofts and the Apples over those high yielder. They're called cash cows. Business 101. Uh, mature businesses are cash cows. They spit out cash, but they can't grow. Have you watched Succession? But the big media company? They're trying to uh, partner with the uh, you know, state-of-the-art uh, uh, social uh, media versus uh, the tradition that they are because they, they, they're looking for growth. Don Vieler, we're going to get you back. We can continue the uh, discussion. Um, and a little bit of a conflict makes a market. I enjoy that. Don't you, Don? Yeah, this has uh, been a classic. Uh, you want markets to have a bad time like we've had, particularly during the last few weeks, because it sets it up for the next move, and the next move is on the upside. Yeah, well, Don, take do me a favor. Take a look at Diageo for me, and send me a quick note what you think of that stock. It's the one that uh, the purveyors of Guinness. Uh, again, I never liked that stuff, but you go to Dublin, you try it live, it is really, really good. Show about money, show about food, show about music. It's Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday. Jack and I, both portfolio managers, also vote as Portfolio Manager of the Year, Canaccord. I'm very proud of that. And my, well, it's all about my clients. I want to take really good care of them. It's all I got to do. If I can make them money, I'm a happy guy without taking on undue risk. Uh, that's what the show's all about. Stay tuned. More of it right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. You are Welcome back, my friends. Tis a show about money. So Birkenstock, a 250-year-old shoe company uh, coming to the New York Stock Exchange. And it's amazing because I do pay attention to Adidas. Adidas. And Nike, that thing's uh, down on the mat, too much inventory. Adidas has been pretty hot. And then on, symbol O-N-O-N, you will see the people walk around those on. I think they're called on shoes. And your your wife has a spare, doesn't she, She Jack? does, yeah. She loves them. Um, that stock has been hot. Asics has been working. Uh, my wife actually uh, uh, is a closet Skechers where she feels embarrassed, but she loves her Skechers. Uh, so, so shoes have been good, except with the exception of Nike, totally 
down on the mat and not an expense, not a cheap company even at these levels. Anyways, we do have a consumer analyst, a retail analyst, a consumer products analyst, uh, Cool Hand Luke Hannon. And I'm just giving you a new handle. I'm sure I'm not the first person to call you Cool Hand Luke, but uh, Luke Hannon, uh, he's an analyst. He's taking over for Derek Delay, uh, who's been on the show many a times. Uh, Derek covered many of the names that Luke is covering. So, uh, Luke, congratulations on your new position. Um, or not, I've been looking at some of the charts of the names that you are following, and, and it looks so good. But, you know, some 90% of the stocks are actually below their 50-day moving average, so a lot of stocks don't look good. So, there's a there's a bit of cheer in the uh, in the sourness of my uh, opening statement to you, Luke. But uh, welcome to Hi-Fi Radio, uh, you analyst extraordinaire. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bricks and mortar retail. Canadian Tire is a name you follow. I looked at the chart. It looks lower. I also looked at Best Buy. It looks lower. Uh, Walmart looks very, very firm. Lululemon looks quite interesting, trying to flirt with the upper end of its range. Uh, so what gives in, 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 in retail? With particular... With regards to Canadian Tire, that's been very interesting, actually, if you if you think about it from the lens of Canadian consumers overall, because it was on their last quarter that they had mentioned, most notably in those markets where consumer household debt tends to be higher, and that's uh, in Ontario and BC in particular is what they're referring to. Hmm. And after the most recent rate hike in June, that's when they really started to see discretionary spending come under pressure and instead have consumers shift their dollars away from that and towards staples or essentials goods. And Canadian Tire having the, the reach that it has across the, the country, 90% of Canadian Tire locations are within a 15-minute drive for most Canadians. They have an excellent lens on what's going on with the health of the consumer, not only through their own stores, where they offer a, a vast number of SKUs. But remember, they also have a financial services business. They have Canadian Tire Financial Services, where they actually act as a, a credit card issuer. And so they're able to see spend trends on items and categories that may not necessarily be offered within Canadian Tire stores as well. And the data that they see with, those, with, the, with that credit card uh, data, they're able to see that for categories such as uh, patio furniture, in particular patio furniture sellers, or furniture sellers in general that act exclusively and online, they're coming under pressure as well. So overall, you are seeing a little bit of, of headwind when it comes to consumer discretionary spend, and then they're shifting it towards staples. And then when you think about brick and mortar, you know what's funny is when I speak with investors on Canadian Tire in particular, for the longest time it was, well, we have Amazon that's coming into the market. That's totally going to disrupt Canadian Tire's business. It's going to fall by the wayside. And then prior to that, there was Target, of course, which made its foray north of the border. And clearly that didn't work out in favor of, of Target as well. So for whatever it is, Canadian Tire will say it's because there's this they're, they're part of the fabric of Canadian life. That's one of the reasons why they resonate with consumers. There's probably some degree of, of truth when it comes to that. But in my view, it has to do with the fact that if you need a particular SKU and you want it at the right price and you need it the same day, there's a much better chance that you'll be able to get it at a Canadian Tire, which, again, is probably within a 10 or 15-minute drive from your average consumer. It's going to be easier for you to get it the same day from Canadian Tire than it would be for you to wait maybe a day or two from, from Amazon as well. I think there's something to be said having that competitive edge 
where you are pervasive across Canada. You have a store uh, that's that's broadly a store network that's broadly distributed throughout Canada. Hey Luke, I opened up with uh, this the story that Jack got me this morning, and thank you very much for that, Jack, on Birkenstock. Uh, German German brand, German company coming to the New York Stock Exchange. Apparently, they need to raise money to pay down some debt. Uh, why New York as opposed to Germany? Uh, and how do you think the market is going to react to that brand coming to market? Do you have any opinion on it? Uh, I, I do. I think overall, if we just take a step back and look at the market reception for IPOs today versus maybe where it was three or six months ago, particularly for consumer products, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. And if you were to go back even further and we look at other footwear brands, Allbirds seems to come to mind. That's been a story that has, I think, you know, largely played out, maybe made people a little bit more hesitant on the space overall. But the thing about Birkenstock is it is, there's something to be said about it being a relatively pervasive brand and still there being this long runway for, for growth, uh, despite the fact that, that um, you know, instances like Allbirds, maybe that hasn't necessarily played out in favor of um, investors. The merits, of course, of being on the the New York exchange, it being one of the most uh, liquid exchanges, market exchanges um, in in the world, Mm -hmm. and particularly in North America, clearly there's there's a lot of merit for that. And footwear spend in general, it, it, it tends to be a little bit more durable than other interest rate sensitive categories, we'll call it. I keep going back to to, to furniture uh, and barbecues as well. Those are two categories that stand out as something that, that tend to be heavily influenced by uh, consumer sentiment. Footwear is a little bit more durable though. So overall, I think investors should be, should be warming up to it. Interesting. Uh, we're speaking with our consumer products analyst, uh, Luke Hannon. Uh, of course, he is a uh, certified, you're a CPA and a CFA, certified financial analyst. What's a CPA certified? What is it? CPA. Professional accountant, yes. Oh, you're your accountant as well. That's and, and, and you got a sense of humor. That's interesting. <laughs> Uh, stand by, Luke. Jack's got a couple questions for you as well as we get out of the break. Uh, we're talking about consumer spend and uh, trying to find ways to make some money with uh, the sector. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Jack Hartle by my side. Please, any questions about money? Uh, any major life changes that has you concerned? Call us. We're here for you. Send us a note. Uh, I do love to speak with our listeners. It's a, such a treat and a delight to well, listen to our fans. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. Get right back to the show. We're after this. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back, my friends. This is a show about money. Just looking for a little fun music for us. Uh, got a great analyst on the line, uh, one of our analysts at Canaccord. Uh, Luke Hannon uh, he covers a bunch of consumer names um, and also healthcare names. That, that's pretty funny, by the way. Uh, the healthcare names you, fo- you, you cover are 
pot stocks. I think you should maybe re, re, rebrand that, call them leisure stocks instead of health. Oh, I just throw that out to you. But um, <laughs> well, they do fit pretty well within consumer, of course. Consumer, you know, or if you're going to put healthcare, you might as well put beer in it as well. But no, cannabis That's is right. healthcare. Come on, <laughs> healthcare euphemisms. Can we be straight up? I mean, you, I mean, you know, we as a people, I guess not. Uh, sugarcoat stuff every now and then, but that's okay. Whatever. Uh, you cover um, do, uh, which is a BRP. I have me, I have myself a good old uh, ATVA. It's had the thing for about uh, fifteen years there, Jack. It's a good machine. They it's are. Good. They last a long time. They do. No, it's a great, great toy, and it's a tool. Um, but the electric vehicle, the electric uh, skidoos or uh, snow sleds, as you sleds, sleds, uh, EBC doos, yeah. What well, you have another company that you're you're covering called Taiga Motors, and I took a look at that chart. It looks, um, you know, new, shall I say? I'm being polite, um, but uh, it certainly is no skidoo. Uh, Taiga, t- talk a little about it. It's obviously a very very small company, and what caught my attention was just like. The do BRP, it is Quebec based. Um, is the government giving it a lot of support? Absolutely, and it's it's funny you bring that up because just last night, uh, Tiger had announced that Export uh, uh, Canada Development Canada had provided them with a fifteen million dollar uh, loan as well. So Tiger, when we think about uh, Tiger, what's interesting about the story is that really what they're trying to to be, what they're trying to do, is be the Tesla of power sports. So being a, a EV power sports vehicle manufacturer that is starting from the ground up with this goal of of only producing EVs. And that's what gives it a bit of a, a differentiated edge versus a legacy incumbent like BRP, which by the way, we still like, and we, we certainly really like long-term when it comes to ICE. But I, I bring up BRP in the context of Taiga, as to your point, Wolfgang, it is both, they're both based in Quebec, but also as it relates to, to Taiga, what's interesting is ever for the longest time, they've said that they've had this first mover advantage in the space. And usually when investors think about a first mover advantage, certainly there is some sort of you know, advantage, I guess, that there is to that. But it's less it's lower quality in nature because naturally the thinking is eventually someone else is going to come along and, and eliminate that first mover advantage. And then all of a sudden that incumbent is, uh, has less of a moat around it than was originally thought in this instance, it's actually beginning to play out. So although Taiga clearly has evidenced by the, the chart, it's fallen on top times. It's, it's because of there being a number of hiccups in, in the production. And we've seen that with ice. We've seen that with BRP as well. But what's interesting is BRP came out about a year or two ago announcing that they were going to be moving into the electric vehicle space within power sports in a more meaningful way. And in particular, they were trying to have their entire one EV unit across each of their product lines by, I believe it was 2025. And then it wasn't until a little bit earlier this year at their dealer event uh, that we were able to attend in Atlanta, that they had mentioned they would actually be pushing out this goal by a year because the learnings and the, mm-hmm. the process of trying to be able to build those units at scale is a little bit more difficult than it thought. So if you're a Tiger and Tiger investor, you're hearing that and you're thinking, okay, great, there is actually some merit to having a first mover advantage. Let me ask you this question. Um, is Are their products a lot quieter? I'll tell you why. Uh, when I do drive my ATV, a 
uh, I feel kind of guilty going through this beautiful, pristine forest and making a lot of noise and some exhaust coming. I don't really like it. And even when I take my ATV through a, through a little a little creek, when I come back, I can see a little film of oil. And I know you see that with your boats too up at the cottage, folks, and Jack included. Those little boats, they emit a bit of grease and oil into the totally. water. Uh, and it's not nice. Uh, it's not nice for your kids swimming, a little mouthful of that, or certainly not good for the fish and any ecosystem. And I'm good on getting the country or the world cleaner. Um, so, is the product quiet? Er, um, it Luke? is. Yeah, it, it's not only is it, it quieter overall, but the, the I mean, there's lots of parallels, obviously, with with traditional automakers as well, and some of the benefits of owning a, an electric vehicle there versus uh, an internal combustion engine vehicle. Uh, the main benefit being the overall total cost of, of ownership as well is much lower for a Tiger product than it would be for its ICE equivalent. And that's been one of the reasons, if you think about, you'd ask me, what do I, what do I think about the prospects of this business longer term? Can it be the Tesla of power sports? One of the reasons that gives me and, and should give investors some confidence is that this product has resonated with fleet operators. So if you can think of a ski resort, for example, instead of having internal combustion engines, snowmobiles as part of its fleet, whether they're doing it for, for tours, whether they need it for their, their maintenance folks to be able to get around properties, they're increasingly choosing Taiga products. One, because they're the only real player of scale that's in the market right now. I keep going back to that first mover advantage. But also, when you spread out the costs of, of fuel and ongoing maintenance across that ICE snowmobile fleet, it's much more expensive to maintain that fleet versus something like uh, Tyga's fleet. So there's there's natural benefits there. And overall, if we if we go back and we remember what Tesla went through uh, with its initial growing pains, you can remember at one point in Fremont, they were building their products not even necessarily in the, the plant itself. They were actually building them almost like in tents outside of the plant because of the hiccups that they had at the time. If we think about the business now, it's clearly a far cry from where it was back then. Uh, last question for you, Luke, and we got a bail. Uh, and think about this one here, Jack. Uh, so if you get yourself a Tiger, or Taiga, it's T-A-I-G-A Motors, Taiga Motors, friends, uh, based in Quebec, EV uh, power sports uh, company that we've been talking about. Uh, do you have to have yourself a little charging station at the end of the dock? And what do you have to do if, if that's the case? What do you do when you have to take your docks and move in the power station? How do you power these things up? There, so you can either power them up uh, at home if you happen to already have charging infrastructure there. That's one of the reasons. No, why no, 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 but my, my water support, my craft, my watercraft that I bought from Tiger is now in the water. I'm not going to yeah. drag it up the hill to the, to the cottage. It's a boathouse, Wolf. You got a boathouse. Well, some have a boathouse. Not everyone has a boathouse, Jack. I know you got an elaborate boathouse. You don't have a boathouse, yeah? Jack's laughing. I do. <laughs> you have a boathouse? Nice. He's laughing and blushing, Jack. <laughs> yeah, they, they, there are, and in a lot of cases now, and that's part of what Tyga is doing as, as well, they're rolling out some of their own chargers across to uh, marinas across Ontario. So, for example, I use, I use the example of um, going up uh, in the last month or two, going up to Innisville and trying out some of their products there. And at that location, uh, the location where I was at, they happened to have a Tiger branded charger that was located right at the dock where everyone has their their personal watercraft tied up to the docks. So that would be the main place where you would charge those those vehicles. Hmm. Uh, Luke Hannon, uh, nice meeting you, my friend. Uh, we're always in the same building. I look forward to giving you all 
pat on the back. Uh, come by and pay Jack and I a visit and uh, appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. You did a great job for us. Friends, okay. that's it for the show about money. It is Saturday night. I want to wish you a lovely Thanksgiving weekend. Gobble, gobble. Uh, spread some joy and, uh, you know, something. If someone's lonely, invite them over to your place. Uh, spread some love. Uh, and don't forget about charity as well. Uh, please give. And it's the season when uh, I think the hardship uh, is accentuated as the weather is about to turn. Uh, lots of good causes out there. Homelessness, uh, hunger, food bank. Uh, lots we can all do to make this a better place for everyone. Love you. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.